0: Welcome to the Resistance Chronicle, I'm Matt. I'm Eric. And today we got into cigars with Mr. Jonathan Barbo. It's a uh, French-Canadian name, just in case you were wondering. <laughs> and uh, it was it was a fun conversation. We learned a lot about how the government's fucking the cigar industry.
1: Because he's the manager of the local cigar shop he, in our town.
0: The, the guy has been a friend of mine for a little bit, and I've never met anybody that knows so much about everything he's got the gift of gab and we get into that in the show it it, it was a good show tune in we're definitely Uh, going
1: to try to get him on
0: again we'll link his contact information he's an incredible dj he does a lot of mashups and uh yeah we want to get him back on again and talk about like the anatomy of a cigar and what makes up a cigar because we got into that when we weren't recording and we were wishing that we were friggin' recording this because it was a hell of a good conversation but anyway tune into what we got here and we're going to bring him back
1: but i did learn that you're actually better off smoking a cigar a day or two. You're actually more healthy than if you're a non-smoker. Enjoy our awesome intro. It's not a political statement. It's a patriotic duty. And the editors of great newspapers, such as
0: yours, owe a common obligation to the people. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream.
2: What are you people? On dope?
1: I have come here to
2: chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. But we have some bad hombres here and we're going to get them out.
0: Alright, now we're recording. <laughs> Welcome to the Resistance Chronicle. we got a good show going on today. I am sitting here with a cutting board, some some cured pork, Eric... And the most interesting man that I've ever met in my life, Mr. Jonathan, and you got to pronounce your last name for me because I've known you for a couple of years now. How, how long has it been? Like four years or something. Yeah, at like least four that. years. And I don't know how to pronounce your last name. Barbeau. It's Barbeau. French okay. Canadian, right. yeah, Barbeau. Excellent. All right, we won't hold the French Canadian against you. Don't uh, don't Google me. <laughs> and I'm gonna be cutting into this uh, this pork here, so we can try some some slices of it. 'Cause it came out freaking delicious and this is all part of my uh, homesteading act of twenty twenty one. It looks very phallic. Oh smell it.
2: You even brought your own knife too, huh? Fuck yeah, man. Smell it. It's just something really awesome. That's, that's about the garlic. Two podcast guys, just passing around a phallic piece of you dried know. meat. Pork? Oh <laughs> yeah, that called smells pork.
0: Good. Delicious, delicious. Oh. All right, we're gonna cut into this and try some samples. So we're here today with Mr. Jonathan Barbo. He is the manager of Two Guys Smoke Shop here in Salem, New Hampshire, right? Yeah. Our hometown. Yeah. Um, he, he runs the podcast studio upstairs, Studio yeah. 21, and a, a, a big chunk of what what we talk about here on the Resistance Chronicle is kind of how the government fucks us and what we can do to get around it, and the one thing that I know for certain is that the government fucks the cigar industry. It certainly does. And they lump it in with tobacco and I was hoping that you could get into all of that from, from beginning to end and share your f- friggin' vast wealth of knowledge with us.
2: Yeah, hopefully I don't lose my place. I have no notes. I'm just operating okay. out a We name don't cause... do anything we don't do <laughs> anything with notes as I
0: sit here with a knife in my hand don't fuck nice. up.
2: <laughs> <All right. laughs> I'm not I'm not scared yet. Yeah the uh the the thing that I find the most interesting about how the U.S. government goes after tobacco is, for starters, they attempt to lump all tobacco in together. So a study done by the National Cancer Institute called Monograph Number 9 lays out and separates out all of the major tobacco styles. So you have cigars, you have pipes, you have chewing tobacco, you have cigarettes. And it, in the final findings of it, It separates out cigars from what they call OTP, which is all the other tobacco products, cigarettes, vape, etc. And what ends up happening is if you smoke one to two cigars a day, you will outlive a non-smoker by an average of four years. You are less likely to get COPD, you are less likely to get lung cancer, and you are less likely to get coronary heart disease than a non-smoker. One to two cigars a day. Per day.
1: So it's actually healthy healthy for you.
2: Yeah, when they put the warnings in, they say cigars are not a safe alternative to cigarettes. No. Cigars are a safe alternative to not smoking is really what the, <laughs> the data shows. So what happens is you end up with your Ways and Means Committee of, say, your state. And they sit down and they meet with uh, data analysts and they try to... Um, God damn it, there's a friggin' word for Economists. They don't meet with doctors, they meet with economists, and the economists' job is to figure out how much they can tax a certain bracket without the risk of doing irreparable harm to the revenue stream of the state. And what they typically... The number one play is this sin tax, and I'm putting that in quotes. Like sin, like S-I-N? Correct. All right. So we have separation of church and state, except if you're using tobacco in which case you pay a tax because you're a sinner. But (laughs) I digress. So the Ways and Means Committee sits down and they look to see how they can impact the revenue, how much they can tax all tobacco and not affect the revenue, in fact, increase the revenue for the state. And they never really look at the data for all of the different tobacco products. Now, if you wanted to make an argument about Okay, we're going we're gonna to syntax you because this causes an unnecessary strain on the government because people that smoke cigarettes, by and large, come down with lung cancer. So, okay, you're going to be an unnecessary drain to society if you smoke cigarettes. Therefore, every cigarette gets X amount of percent tax on it. Uh, it would make sense. But when it comes to cigars, the FDA, when they took over in 2016 their own studies, they did three in a row that year, all of their studies proved that if you smoked one to two cigars a day, you were better off than a non-smoker. And yet they still went ahead and they offered the guidance that they were to um, have the authority and jurisdiction over all tobacco products, including cigars.
1: Now, when you say it's, it's almost better for you to smoke a cigar a day, what benefits does it give you As opposed to not smoking a cigar every day.
2: Well, think about the number one killer in the United States. Stress. Yep. When you smoke a cigar and you see it all the time, Matt. In fact, sometimes I see you in the shop. Matt will come in from a rough day at work. His shoulders are up. He's not really saying much. He's got that kind of bitchy resting face going on. That's almost every day, though. Correct. <laughs> yeah. But he gets his
0: cigar and he goes day. and
2: sits in the chair. I do and that so people don't talk to me. That's true. <laughs> I wait about 20 minutes until I see his body language change. He starts to slouch in his chair a little bit. He starts to relax a bit. And I walk back. And the same guy, and listen, I consider Matt my friend. He, he'll talk to me almost any time he comes in. But on the times that he seems the most stressful, he's not all that chatty. 20 minutes into his cigar... I can go down and have a full-on conversation, and he's come alive again. So I'm gonna say, yeah. Do you so, notice that too? I had one today, and I'm pretty happy right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I love him. You know,
0: I I like to sit back with a cigar. I I prefer to be at home when I when I do it. You know, but you know, weather permitting, thank God the shop is there because I have that in right. the winter time. And and it's it's an unload for me, man. Yeah. You know, at home I'll sit on the back porch. I'll pour myself a, a scotch, a whiskey. You know, whatever whatever I got in the cupboard, a, a beer, and my kids come out and they hang out, and I don't care if they're around the smoke that's that's blowing around. There was an article I read a while ago that was written by by Dave, so Dave Garofalo, right? Yep. That's his last Garofalo, name. Garofalo. Yeah. Garofalo is the owner of Two Guys Smoke Shop, and he's he's like a like a like a guru in in the cigar industry, from what I see. And he mentioned in this article that there's more nicotine in an eggplant than there is in a cigar.
2: Yeah, you're hovering in... Uh, so tomatoes, eggplants, yeah. and tobacco are all part of the same family of plant, and they all have nicotine in them. Yeah. So tomato, you're hovering between 5 and 7% nicotine, and uh, when you get to eggplant, you're at like 9%. Okay. So he makes the argument wow. that uh, eggplant parmesan, uh, you could become addicted to, and he'll usually point <laughs> at his own stomach and say, I give you Exhibit A. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you're... When the FDA went after tobacco for um, import taxation, user fees, they call it, the vape industry got smart and they said, what if we source the nicotine from something other than tobacco? Because they knew eggplant was a better option anyways, and it's easier to farm than tobacco, so they could get a higher yield out of it nicotine-wise. And the FDA then changed their language and said that uh, they were going to be in control of all nicotine delivery systems. So again, I say to you, if tobacco is the smoking gun, mm-hmm. why then is the FDA go from being in control of all tobacco products to being in control of all nicotine delivery systems? A nicotine delivery system being
0: cigar, cigarette, vape, vape pen. Anything that has whatever, nicotine w- in it. Yeah. W- whatever it is. But not an eggplant. Not an eggplant because... No. But if you extract the nicotine from the eggplant and use it in your vape product, Correct. and that vape product goes into a vape pen, yep. then that's the, that's the nic- And they do it all for the money. Exactly. And Control. they just keep growing and growing and growing. And
1: they got to get their hands in everything.
0: Yeah. Every fucking thing. It's ridiculous.
1: Absolutely ridiculous.
0: Un- un- unreal. So what So what do you guys do? Because Two Guys is like the like the biggest cigar shop in
2: like the nation, isn't it? Two Guys Smoke Shop Salem is the highest independently owned brick-and-mortar retail shop in the world. And they have a website, Salem. and we're going to link Salem, it,
0: because yeah. we want our listeners Holy to shit. buy cigars from Two Guys, because you can buy them online and they ship them. Yeah, of what, course, yeah. What do you guys do? at two guys, to, to try and combat this or to deal with it, or, or, or what?
2: So there's a couple of things that happen at the state level. We are um, part of the CANH, the Cigar Association of New Hampshire, and through that and along with all of the other major cigar shops, about six of them in the state, we all raise money to hire a lobbyist to look out for all this bullshit on... Uh, the state level. So the lobbyist will comb through any legislation that has to do with cigars. And they... You, I mean, you're hiring the lobbyist for a reason. We're playing the game just like everybody else is. So the lobbyist is buddies with everybody. Mm-hmm. And he says, listen, uh, you know, you scratched my back years ago. It's not for me to scratch yours type of thing, or vice versa. So if they're planning on putting something in tobacco-related, he usually knows in advance. Uh, and they meet once a month in the organization. And so at the state level, we work very hard to keep taxation out of cigars specifically. There's other tobacco products that are taxed, uh, 68%, by the way. But cigars, because New Hampshire is the only state in the country with a uh, legal separation uh, between cigars and OTP, other tobacco products, mm-hmm. um, we're the only state in the union that has that legal definition, which is, uh, I'm going to fudge this, but six pounds per thousand, uh, and it must be held in a humidor uh, in order to be properly smokable, so it's and it must be 100% whole leaf tobacco. So mm-hmm. you can't have a swisher with a wooden tip. You can't have homogenized tobacco paper as a binder, uh, and and some of that stuff. You could make the argument, well, that's a cigar. A swisher is a cigar, mm-hmm. barely, but um, yeah, really. By barely. legal definition, it isn't, and that's how you can separate something like a Padron, which you like, Matt, yeah. uh, versus a swisher with a, a wooden tip on it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and 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 the any basically anything that
2: you can't break
0: open to fill with products that aren't exactly legal in New Hampshire is right. Yeah, right. Wow. So like, what so, was
1: that? So any other?
0: So if, if
1: like Philly blunt,
0: like a Philly blunt or a yeah. Garcia Vega, that that's not covered under it. Just premium
1: okay. cigars. Yeah, are those are rolled
2: in a way that the tobacco is actually meant to be dumped out. And that's yeah. a tax sixty eight percent. That's sixty eight percent. Okay. So they're not saying that you you shouldn't smoke El Producto. Mm -hmm. They're hoping you do buy El Producto and put your weed in it because they're going to make 68% on that purchase versus buying a premium cigar where they make nothing. Now the argument to the Ways and Means Committee is that unlike other tobacco products, cigars are not addictive. So in the wintertime my business cuts in half. Period. No one has ever stood across from T-Bones in Salem. No one's ever stood outside of t-bones because they needed a quick cigar after dinner Mm -hmm. they just don't need it Mm.
1: yeah my dog just ripped ass again yeah he does this at least three (laughs) times a podcast it's perfect
2: this is the
0: first podcast we're calling him out on it
2: yeah (laughs) i couldn't concentrate so i i I was honestly afraid it was me no
0: no no it definitely wasn't you so, so, so you that's, exactly
1: you were saying nobody's gonna come stand standard T- T-Bones for a cigar. Yeah, they' they're,
2: they're not leaving halfway through the dinner because you know all their nicotine levels are low, and they've yeah. got to give it a boost because on a cigar, you're looking at one to three percent compared to an eggplant that's at close to nine percent. Now, what's a cigarette at? A cigarette, they are juiced up, so you're thirty, forty, fifty percent. Oh okay, they are just and then your vape liquid, your e-liquids, you can buy at different percentage yeah. levels, so you can get those down to a manageable level where it's less addicting.
1: Yeah, mine's like three or six or something like that.
0: Interesting. So that at the state level, you've got
2: C-A-N-H. Correct. The Cigar Association. Now there's CRN. What's that? The CRA is the oh, cigar, CRA, Rights, okay. cigar Rights of America, America, and then there's also recently formed Cigar Rights of the World, uh, which the world's first NFT cigar... Uh, the proceeds for that cigar is going to fund the cigar rights of the world
0: so one, one thing I noticed about two guys since I've been shopping there and it's, uh, it's always been like kind of like a, a mystique thing in the cigar industry is the Cuban cigar everyone's got to get the Cohiba everybody's got to get the Monte Cristo what, what, what's, what, what's up with that? because you guys don't, don't care for the, for the
2: Cubans yeah. Dave's been to Cuba I've been to Cuba. You've been to Cuba? Okay, tell us about that experience. So, best experience I've ever been on in my entire life. Uh, I, I can imagine. invite an invited guest of Habano's, which is the governing body of the tobacco industry, or was. It's now owned uh, by communist China. Uh, and Cuba's so com- communist to begin with. It's owned by communist China, really? The cigar side, yeah. So, from what I understand is, like, when
0: you, if you cross over the border into Canada and you want to buy a Cuban cigar, you can only buy them at Habano's shops, Right.
2: Um, in Canada, they're readily available. Oh, are they? Okay. You, you, you don't have to worry about fakes like you do in, like, the Dominican or something like that. Well, I would say if you're getting fake, you're getting a better product in most cases. Really? Because think about it: if you're in the Dominican Republic, where it's illegal as a country for them to import rolled cigars, in okay. fact, only in their duty-free area can they can you buy Dominican cigars that have been shipped to the United States to the parent company of those brands and then shipped back to the Dominican Republic. You pay 6 to $8 more for a cigar in the Dominican Republic that was made in the Dominican than you would for that same product in the United States. Wow. So... so oh, go ahead. Um, if you buy a Cuban cigar in the Dominican Republic, you are buying a Dominican cigar. There's okay. no question. You're probably getting something pretty decent. Yeah. You're going to pay 6 to $7 for it, and it's worth about $6 to $7 if you were to buy that exact same you could figure out what that cigar was in the United States, it's not a complete rip off. Mm-hmm. You're helping the guy that's making cigars on the beach, or he's buying them from the back door of a factory yep. and selling them. So yeah, you are helping the local economy. It's not the end of the world, but that cigar is what keeps Cuban cigars alive in the American mindset because they are good. So
0: you're not getting like rat hair swept up no, off no, the floor no, or something no. like that. Okay, no, the, So I've heard some weird stories. Yeah, in, you're mostly on, getting on the internet.
2: You're mostly getting a decent. A decent cigar that the kid paid a dollar for, and you could knock him down usually to about five bucks a stick if you're yeah. really good. So, so he makes four dollars profit on you, and whatever you're helping the local economy. In Cuba, everybody said to me when you go, be careful of the fakes.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Now keep in mind what I said: you cannot import rolled cigars into a third world country that makes cigars. Okay, there are no fakes in Cuba. The rollers will steal tobacco, or if they're allowed to take a cigar home, they'll stockpile them at home instead of consuming them. They'll sell them to tourists to make their little side hustle. Mm-hmm. So you can get almost anything you want for about $3 a cigar in Cuba, American. Okay. I came home with nothing except what it was given to me at the Habanos Festival and because the cigars were terrible. They're, even the ones I got on the street, I bought. I, I must have smoked 50 cigars while I was there, and nothing was worth... The three dollars yeah so how did you get to cuba tell us about that because i interrupted you like i usually do on the show okay. with eric and, and <laughs> <laughs> uh, i was an invited guest because of the cigar authority podcast uh we're in our 12th year and the dave had gone and essentially wrote this expose piece on what is going on in cuba as far as their cigars what is going on uh they're not really draw testing they're not fermenting the tobacco long enough they they leave the flowers on the plant, so the leaves are kind of grow sort of midgeted, if that's a word. So he somehow ends up getting invited back a second time, and on his third trip, uh, I won a contest or whatever. For every box of somebody's cigar you sold, you got a chance to to win, and I I won. I I just luck of the draw, and so I end up going to Cuba and as an invited guest of Habanos. Okay. And that's the only way you could go because you can't spend even then with uh, President Obama's. uh, He just eased the trade, the travel restrictions. You still couldn't go and spend money, in the uh, for the Cuban government because they make money on everything. Mm -hmm. So you just stay in a private Airbnb. You can buy cigars from. On the street, but you really weren't supposed to buy them in the store, except somehow that exception got made that you could take up to $800 worth of cigars and rum back Yeah, from Cuba. Okay, that, that part confused me because the law was clearly stating that it was still trading with the enemy, but there was an exemption written in about cigars. And
0: I know when he first did that and he signed that act in, if you went to canada or you went to another country it was like a hundred dollars worth of cuban cigars that you could you could bring back with you i had someone try and smuggle me back some cuban cigars from from canada and they caught him at the border by oh, the border patrol yeah it, it was like 85 bucks worth of, worth of cohibas and yeah just, the poor guy didn't get his money from me because i said how do i know you even got him <laughs> <laughs>
2: Fuck them. Yeah, during that time, you were supposedly able to travel uh, with Cuban cigars, but the... I don't know if you you guys are older. You've seen the movie Smokey and the Bandit. Yeah, yeah. All right, so that movie is about moving Coors Beer from one side of the country or one side of the Mississippi to the other side. And back then, you were the cool kid if you drove from here six hours and you bought Coors Beer and filled up your trunk and you brought it back and you got a fridge filled with Coors Beer... You're the fucking man. <laughs> now, I notice you guys aren't drinking Coors beer. Mm-hmm. We're recording the podcast uh, because Coors beer sucks. Mm. It sucked back I'm, then. I'm, even when the mountains are blue, it sucks. Yeah. Mm. It sucked back then and it sucks now. No one's driving six minutes, let alone six hours, to go get a trunk full of Coors beer. But because Americans were told they couldn't have it, mm-hmm. it was the best beer. That's the whole. That's the whole thing that's about it. Cuban cigars. You an American you can't have this because there's an embargo. When the embargo was signed by, and I'm um, being as random as you guys are on the podcast, um, when the Kennedy signed the embargo in 1962, Cuba was stuck in 1952 agriculturally. They've made zero advancements since then because they don't have internet. Mm-hmm. Very, 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 Elizabeth and I'm not exaggerating this and we can go into this conspiracy theory another time I believe that there's about a hundred people that control the government of Cuba mm-hmm. they all have a specific plate on their car and if the Cuban government hears me say this they're not gonna let me leave the country again but uh, <laughs>
0: It <laughs> kind of reminds me of something around here. You see all of our state representatives with with special state plates on. I see right. I see certain yeah. ones come into the shop, and I see those special yeah. special New Hampshire plates sitting in the sitting in the driveway. It's like what the hell?
2: So the I have no idea where my what my huh, was. That's all right. We we do that all the <laughs> time here. But you you've been to Cuba, and you got to experience all that. Where else have you been? Uh, been in Nicaragua that was um, probably the best trip I've ever been on in my entire life I bet that's where the Padrones come
0: from right Padrones yeah
2: yeah. I I toured Nick Perdomo's facility uh, and it is and not not to take anything away from Padron. I know you love Padron, as do I Nick's facility is state of the art
0: Mm -hmm.
2: sorting seeds by weight uh, putting them under a microscope and seeing if there's dimples in the seed Uh, so that you get proper germination. His germination level is 96%, which is unheard of in agriculture. It's just, oh, that's where I was going, agriculture. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're
0: back. So
2: Cuba was stuck back in 1952. They've made zero advancements since 1952 to now. Every other country, because they have access to the United States and the agricultural uh, uh, improvements that we've made, you've got companies like Bayer Systems going into Honduras, And working with the Aroa family and being able to grow a Cameroon seed, which is a Sumatra seed that's been grown in Cameroon for more than seven cycles. So then you get to name it. Mm -hmm. So it becomes Cameroon. It's got a sweet taste to it. They duplicate the soil from Cameroon, Africa, in Honduras, through bare systems, flying a drone over, infrared scanning the fields, and then putting the nutrients in the quadrants where they need to go based on this computer program from Bear Systems. Cuba doesn't even pick the flower off the plant because they they didn't do that in 1952. Yeah. And every other country picks it off because now you shock the plant and the leaves get bigger. The bigger the leaves the bigger the cigars you can make. We've got we're in a ring gauge boom right now where mm-hmm. it's the race to the hundred ring gauge uh, you know for regular production. So the fact that somebody would Actively seek out a cigar that is made so poorly in a country that is stuck in 1952. If you knew what would, what you were talking about about cigars, you would never, ever, even want to smoke a Cuban cigar. Let alone if you smoked it, think that it's at all remotely good. I smoked one in Canada. I was like, man, this
1: ain't that great. I, I, I mean, I didn't know much, but I was like, uh, I expected it to be like the best thing that's yeah, ever like, like, Oh my god!
0: Yeah. I've, I've smoked a bunch of Cubans. I would buy them out of Switzerland, and there was a company called Cigar One. It's online. You can go there. You can put an order in. You pay with your credit card, and then you see on your credit card bill a little foreign foreign tax or whatever it is for using your credit card in a foreign country. About two weeks after I order them, they, they get to my door. They're sitting there. The mail, mailman delivers them. Luckily, nothing you know happens through customs. Because of the long travel... I'll put them in my humidor for for a couple of weeks to let them to let them mellow out and sit and pull them out and smoke them, and I'll I'll take a Padron Twenty Six Number One all all day long over any of these Cohibas that I bought or Romeo and Julieta's and you, you just I I don't know it's just something something about them that I just don't don't think is Cuba doesn't freeze their
2: cigars either so what happens is on all leafy vegetables you have. Either uh, larva yep. that has laid eggs, you got bacterias, and the vast majority of the pests in cigar tobacco can be the shell can be cracked at minus ten degrees Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. So you go to Perdomo and he loads everything into these containers that are going to either go on a ship or go on a plane, and then attaches a giant air conditioner unit to the container. And chills the inside of that container down to minus ten for three days, so that those larvae don't hatch. The egg cracks, and the cigar, the larvae never hatches, and you never end up with a tobacco. Beer. Yeah, Cuba doesn't even draw test their cigars. They have draw testing machines there. There are two of them in the country. They have a layer of dust on them because they've never been used, and they're roped off with dusty velvet ropes.
0: Isn't it true, too, in Cuba that the people working in the factories, they hate the government so
2: much that they purposely fuck up cigars? There's, a, there's two groups of rollers. There's the people that are part of this uh, secret society, I guess is the best way to put it. And there's a secret signal. Let's just say for the sake of argument that it's your left index finger touching your left eyebrow. And that's how you send the signal to everybody else that you're cool. Mm-hmm. And you're you're on this group. During that rolling cycle, if the boss of that floor is part of this group, everybody on the floor knows that every other cigar, they're going to put a twist in the bunch before they pass the wrapper over it. So what that does is dramatically reduces airflow through the cigar.
0: And that just to fuck with their government. Yeah. Because the people that hate their government, probably.
2: Well, you think about, especially now that... There's a little tiny bit of internet that is starting to... You can buy internet cards. Mm -hmm. I was able to buy an internet card while I was there. Um, And because Americans are so generous, they tip well. So uh, a Cuban person that has a taxi cab, say, probably is going to make $100 a month. Mm -hmm. They can live like a king in that country for $100 a month. So they probably have internet... And if their regular job is cigar roller and their side hustle is the taxi cab and they've got to give 67% of their revenue to the government as a tax on their side hustle and they make their $22 a month and on egg day they get eggs and on bread day they get bread, when they see the price that the Cuban cigars fetch in countries like Canada and Switzerland, they understand that they are being just completely shit out of luck with the the money. Fifty U.S. dollars for uh, like, like two it two Cohiba co- 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 yeah. robustos. It's and crazy, that's, and that's crazy. Not only are you being overcharged, but that's that's a, a an insane amount of money to a Cuban person. Mm-hmm. An insane amount, fifty dollars. So, how do the people in Nicaragua that say work for Padron's factory
0: feel about him charging you know forty dollars for for that fifty year anniversary? Well, they're,
2: they're paid. A fair, reasonable wage. It's 100% okay. employment in uh, Esteli, Nicaragua, and Pedrones. So uh, they have this life philosophy of: um, if you would like to eat, you must work. Blind people work. People with one hand work. Mm-hmm. People who are deaf work. Um, people who have no sense of smell they work. Well, wow, what a concept! Huh? You no, want to eat, you work. There's no not working, mm-hmm. or you'll starve to death. Mm-hmm. And it seems harsh, you know, if, if you, you have somebody that is on one side of the aisle, they may, the humanitarian in them may say, you know what, this is, uh, it's just wrong that that's how it is. But it's 100% of the people that work. They all go to work mm-hmm. every day. It works. Mm-hmm. If you would like to eat, you have to work. That works. That is how you guarantee a healthy society in my opinion.
0: So we, we went from Cuba, we went to Nicaragua, now let's get into America. All right. In America, isn't one of our biggest exports like Connecticut leaf wrappers?
2: Connecticut broadleaf is big. Uh, it's bought by the guys that make backwoods for the most part. Okay. So complete waste.
0: That's that's considered the 68% tax cigar there, right? Yep. The backwoods,
2: yeah. Yep. Uh... And then you have Connecticut shade, which has fallen out of favorability and popularity only because it's so expensive. Now, when you say shade, that means
0: what? They put like some sort of like cheesecloth, cheese okay. Uh, and it
2: grows literally in the shade. And that's what Fuente does with the with the um Opus X, right? Fuente's Opus X is a sun grown wrapper. Okay. Um what makes their, that cigar different is that it's a Dominican puro. That thing hasn't been good in like fifteen years. Correct. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't what was good about it and what caused the hype is that Dominican rapper never burned. And Fuente discovered that if they aged that rapper enough, they could get it to burn. And they made this big deal by releasing, this is another little marketing trick, they released uh, Opus X on the East Coast, Diamond Crown on the West Coast. So uh, Toro Fuente is distributed by the folks at J.C. Newman. Yeah. So J.C. Newman agreed they were going to release Diamond Crown on the West Coast, and uh, day was going to release the Opus X on the East Coast. And so no shops had both. And whatever the line of demarcation was down the center of the, the, mm-hmm. the country, that's what it was, and you either you had one or the other. So the other side ends up freaking out about this cigar, both of them. And this is where the hype of... Opus X came from. It's the Coors Beer model. Yeah, You can't have it, therefore you, yeah, want, you it. want it. And for the guys on the East Coast, it was like, oh, we have this. It's awesome. You guys yep. in California suck a dick. You yep. can't have it, yep. right? Yep. Um, and when, once you could have it, that's when people started saying, oh, it took a, it took a drop down. I, I've smoked original Opus, and uh, 12 years after it was released, a buddy of mine, a lawyer, gave me a couple and it was okay. It was aged 12 years? Aged for 12 years. Okay. It was okay. Yeah. It was not anything to write home about. It's not right, in right. my cigar journal as, oh my God, this is yeah. in the top 10. It's in the top 100. It was a good cigar, but it was not great.
0: Maybe the first time I had it, it was because it was a new thing to me. And it was like, I think it was like around Father's Day it came out. Because it was yeah. only on the holidays that yeah, it yeah. came out. Father's Day, Christmas. Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So So, all right. So, let me get back to this. We went to Cuba. We went to Nicaragua. Now, we came into America. We, we, we learned that we export a lot of tobacco as well as we import pretty much the finished product. Right. At, at what point, when it comes into America, does, does, does the man get their hands on it and say, okay, we're, we're going to start taxing the crap out of it?
2: Uh, this happens in the 90s. Um, there was a thing they call the cigar boom. Yes. And that happened... Around the same time as Cigar Aficionado coming out. Uh, Coincidence? Did, well, I, give them, I do give them credit for bringing to the American consumers' uh, eye the flavor notes. You know, you're not just tasting smoke. You, you know, there's other stuff going on there. So being able to look at a cigar as a product to be enjoyed by connoisseurs, like wine, like whiskey, like beer. And so they, they, had a, they, they did have a, a lot to do with that. When the boom ends up happening, right around the end of it, 96-ish, 90, going into 97, the boom was starting to come to a close. Things had crested. And at this point, the government says, uh, oh, the state of Massachusetts, for example, we think that we can get $3 million. Again, they hire an economist, not a scientist, not a doctor, not somebody with a medical degree, not mm-hmm. someone who gives a fuck about you, the American consumer. They hire an economist. Basically a banker. To see how much they can tax a product without destroying completely the segment so they can continue to pull that money in over and over again. So they hire an economist. The economist says, we believe $3 million is the number. So they start with 12%. I'm sorry. They, they start at uh, 20% and it gets negotiated down to 12%. And on the – couple of weeks before that tax went in, David Garofalo from Two Guys Smoke Shop was on the courthouse steps in uh, – the Senate steps in um, Massachusetts fighting to make it not happen, to make the tax not happen, arguing with them. I'll, you know, I'll close my stores down, mm-hmm. making a bunch of idle threats. Well, he comes out and the Boston Globe is there. They must have had a slow news cycle. They put the microphone in his face and they go, you know, what's going on? And he's like, and they're going to tax cigars. And if they do, I'm closing all three of my stores and I'm moving over the border to New Hampshire. Well, the next day, David Garofalo gets printed above the fold on the front page of the Boston Globe. To get that kind of press, you would have to kill someone. Yeah. In cold blood. He gets printed above the fold on the Boston Globe. (laughs) Garofalo to leave the state of Massachusetts over cigar tax. His foot is in his mouth. They negotiate that 20% tax down to 12%. But this is the thing. This is why he had to leave. Not because he said it. Because he would have done it because he said it. It's a floor tax. So instead of him paying himself an exorbitant amount of money, he takes that money and he buys inventory. So when a customer walks in and says, I'd like four Padron number four Maduro, I have it Mm -hmm. in my humidor in the Salem store. So, he could pay himself or he could buy inventory. He has always bought inventory and that's the secret of our success. So, he has, I don't know, $2 million in inventory. Mm-hmm. And they're going to hit that with a 12% tax. The tax bill is 150000 He makes $30,000 a year. How could his tax bill be 150000 when he makes $30,000 a year? And this is in the 90s. Yeah. It's like, that's a decent salary it, for it, a business it, it, owner in the 90s. Yeah. And, and this is... So he had to um, he had to close the store because he didn't have one hundred and fifty thousand to Massachusetts pay the
0: pushed, pushed him right out pushed him out. In Massachusetts right now, I, I know when I was working for Harvard, I would stop in a, a cigar shop down in, in the square, and whatever their price was, and they didn't want to advertise the tax price. Like you guys advertise your price, and that's it. When you right. get to the register, well, that's well, it. Right. They would put their price up, which was comparable to to your price. But then when you got to the register, it was like 25% higher because they had an excise tax. And then they had
2: the 6.5% Massachusetts sales tax. And it's double taxation as as far as I understand. They charge you the 40% tax. And then they multiply that by 6.25, which is the sales tax. So you're taxing a tax. So in order for Massachusetts to sell a cigar, I can sell it in my store in New Hampshire cheaper than they can buy it because of that tax and that tax structure. And that's why
0: I see some guys coming up and buying boxes and boxes and boxes and... There's no no coincidence we're on the border. Yeah, you you see a lot of, Eric, if you go into the store at certain times a day, a lot of... um, Let's call it what it is, Indian store owners yeah, yeah. coming in and, and buying friggin' boxes of cigars. And they'll do the same thing in the liquor stores here, too. Oh, yeah. And I remember when I was in school, uh, going to UNH, I was taking a food and beverage class. And, and the beverage part of it was, was about some of the laws of, of, of beverage, and we got into the New Hampshire stuff... And our, our professor or teacher or whoever it was, well, I wouldn't call it a professor, it wasn't really one of those programs where you have a professor, but a guy that was in the business and was like, I'm going to go and teach this stuff, said, watch, when you go to the liquor store at the Rotary in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, take a look over at the hotel across the way, I think there's like a common man diner or something mm-hmm. like that across the way, you'll see ATF or or, or liquor commission, people over there with binoculars Watching the liquor store, because if you take more than five gallons over the border into Massachusetts, you'll get busted. You no can't... Kidding. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure something, something mm. like that exists with cigars. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? I don't know. How about just this? just talking out of
2: my ass. So. How about this? Leave us the fuck alone. Bingo. Yeah, I'll bad. buy however many fucking bottles I want. Yep. And I will move them to where I want. I will buy them for the lowest price based on the state that charges the cheapest tax. And fuck you.
0: Yep, but right. you but but you crossed their imaginary line in the sand, Jonathan, and
2: and <laughs> that you know, that I've breaks been, the law. I've been pushing for the last month, and I mean absolutely pushing as hard as I can. I stopped wearing my lines, not cheap hat. I stopped wearing my I love haters hat. I, I those are my Karen repellents, and I started welcoming people to say something to me about my mask with my energy, just pulling it in or lack of mask. <laughs> I, correct. Yeah, I'm not right. wearing one. Yeah, he's a so, pro facer. I'm, I'm not good, calling it. I'm not
0: calling him anti-mask. Yeah, you're, you're an oh, anti-facer right. or a
2: pro-facer. Yeah. Today, today, when we're recording, yep. the the governor of New Hampshire uh, dropped the the mask mandate. Yep. Today yep. is when that went into effect. That
0: was so nice of him to let us not wear masks anymore. Right. And, and then May
2: seventh is 100. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. You can
0: take the partitions down in restaurants and everything. So yeah. you can
2: stop. You can stop abiding by an illegal edict. By a governor who didn't have the balls to put it through his own Congress, uh, and the Congress wouldn't have voted for it anyways, because they would have all been voted out. But I digress. So I've um, today was the closest day that I got to getting arrested for not wearing. Mask. <laughs>
0: oh, don't you tell us the story. Come it on. Really is. I, I, How do we not lead no, off with I this? Blew,
2: <laughs> I blew this up. I blew this up way bigger than it really is. Two people today in the same store that worked for the store told me I, I should have a mask on. Other than that. Not one fucking person has ever said anything to me. Ever. Yeah. And maybe it's because I look like a serial killer. Maybe it's because my beard is pointed like Conor McGregor's. You get, and a, I, little,
0: you get a little Breaking Bad look to you. A little something, sub- yeah.
2: Long head. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I can handle my own and I can take a punch. But, I, you know, I've been trying to get arrested for this so that I can be the guy who takes to the Supreme Court. And no one will even ask me to put one on. So I go on a Tinder date the other day and I went to a, a shitty dive bar. And we're going to walk in the, the restaurant, and she's like, Oh, I forgot my mask. And I'm rolling my eyes, like, Oh, great. I'm freaking on a date with a masker. So she <laughs> gets a mask. Yeah, she was anti-facer. She's pretty. She's got a nice dumper. So I, whatever, maybe I'll get lucky. And we go to walk in the restaurant, and she just stops dead. Just this paralyzed look of fear on her face as she's looking at me, realizing I haven't covered my face in any way. And she goes, you're not going to put a mask on? And I said, no, I'm not. If that bothers you, I guess I'll eat by myself tonight. And she said, God, what, almost like your funeral type of shit. And I'm, yeah. we go and walk to the table and the restaurant owner comes out and says, hey, if you're going to walk around, do me a favor, put a mask on. And I said, yeah, that's fine. I just am not going to do it because the government told me to, but you're the owner. I'll, I'll yeah. abide by your rules in your restaurant. That's how you want me to do it. And uh, the girl was looking at me a little funny and I... I broke down for her all of the reasons why the governor's mandate is just—it's unconstitutional—is yes. what it is. He's not a king; you can't make an edict as a government, a governor. So you got you got to do the right thing, and that's the reason why I'm against it. So I follow this guy. His name is Legal Man.
0: Everybody needs to check out his podcast. He's a lawyer. He doesn't go by his name; he goes by Legal Man. That's—that's that's what he calls himself. Nice. Okay. And he yep. is a, con- he's a real lawyer. Then he's a friggin constitutional expert and he was saying that when you take a look at the constitution there is nothing in there about anybody being able to call any kind of state of emergency that's a bunch of bullshit and right now it is not about an emergency it's not about a a a virus it's not about a pandemic it's about compliance and everybody is afraid because everybody needs the government to tell them
2: what to do. I cannot believe the level of compliance that they got on this mask thing. It's
0: unreal, so
1: easily too. It's
0: so unreal. easily, yep, yep. Where I work, and, and I won't, sp- I don't, I don't spill the beans about where I work on the podcast. Hey, thanks for blowing up my spot, you <laughs> fucking jerk. <laughs> <laughs> We're just trying to bring some business your way. I appreciate that. Um, so, the, the a guy I work with had had his mask on, and sometimes he has to pull it down below his nose. Because his glasses fog up when, when he wears it. And, right. and we got to wear it because we're working in, in, a, in a place that not only does the company that we work for say, hey, put your friggin' mask on, but the, the, the people that contract us out say it too. And one, one of the people that is associated with who, the people who contract us out sent an email to one of the top bosses saying, this person's mask was below their nose. Oh, my fucking head. It's ridiculous. Whatever we, happens... We've all gone back. are riding crazy. on each other. Look at across the street from the shop, right? you you got T-Bone's restaurant setting up a tent that is completely enclosed <laughs> in.
2: So it's okay for us to eat outside, Outdoors, but yeah. inside. But enclosed, yeah.
1: It, well, it's not made of plywood. And no. for the record, I've
2: walked into T-Bone's no less than 30 times since the pandemic with no mask no, on and no, no one says shit. Yep. So... Again, it's the the government should never have been shut down yep. over something that makes you sick. It, it is a real virus. People have died. The numbers have been inflated. The number of times the median that, age is eighty, dude. Not only not only that, they were going to die tested, anyway, and they weren't going to die from COVID. Correct. They were going to
0: die from whatever underlying. What, what do they call it? Um... um Ah shit! I'll, I'll remember the word. There's a there's a word for it. Comorbidity. Yep. yep. They were gonna die from whatever the comorbidity was.
2: When you get tested for COVID nineteen and you get tested positive with the quick test, of course they order the blood test, and then you get tested for that. Now, at no point does this get entered into a database with your so tied to your social security number or tied to your first, middle, and last name. So now you have entered two ticks. You have doubled. The number of positive results across the world because quick test, blood test. Now, a week later, they do a third test to see if the blood test was a false positive. The third test now triples the amount of cases in the world. Mm -hmm. Multiply that by, and I have a friend that had it, and he suffered greatly for 10 days. And he came out of it, got his sense of smell back, his sense of taste back. During his ten-day stint, and over the course of two weeks, he tested positive. Uh, it was uh, eight times. So that's one person
0: positive. Case.
2: Eight eight times.
0: times. Now do that times everybody and that only, else that's had. Only to know two that
2: that. at the end did he test. Negative for actually having it in him and then he's testing positive for the antibodies which I'm not convinced a positive antibody test doesn't count as a tick all, all the, the count
0: all, and all the tests are fucked up your rapid test is fucked up right people are going to get in the rapid test and it's coming back positive yep. the PCR test apparently and I haven't dug into this but I've heard some reputable sources that I listen to on a regular basis talk about this. The, the PCR test, the guy that invented the PCR so test it's said bullshit. This, this should never have been, yep. been used for COVID. How has how all this COVID bullshit affected the cigar industry? That's going to be a, a, a clench on it, too. People I would like to
2: plead the fifth uh, on the grounds that this information could incriminate me. Okay. The, the uh, cigar industry has boomed. Really? We're in a boom that is rivaling the mid-90s. Really? Because people, just, cause whoa, people whoa. are just
1: sitting at home, just want to sit around and smoke, get some stress off. There's nothing left to
0: fucking do. <laughs> I was so happy that you guys didn't have to change any structure on the inside. You, you had the curb uh, side. By, by, by Governor's edict, we did have to, but okay. we just didn't do it. Good. No, okay. no ma- it's, it's like the last free place in, in time really? that you can go to. Yeah, Yeah. don't you, wear masks. Why why wear the heck actually, no masks? Is- you actually look at people with, with masks funny when you go in there. Yeah, <laughs> really? They feel my out favorite of place, place not the other way around. Yeah, They Holy feel man. out of place.
2: So I was given the uh, offer when the, all this mask bullshit happened and we were reopening and, um, you know, what do you want to do? It's your store, what do you want to do? And I said, I'm not wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. If you would like me to wear a mask, you have to tell me I have to. <laughs> and no one was willing to tell me that I had to, so I just don't wear it. And my staff, some of them were on the other side, and I won them over just because... Look at me. I'm wearing my glasses. They're not fogging up. Yep. I'm walking around without it.
1: I'm not getting COVID. Dude, what are you going
2: to do, I'm still though? alive.
0: Yeah. Are you going to pull the mask down, take a draw, put the mask back up
2: uh, after you... Uh, I did experiment with trying to smoke a cigar while wearing a mask just to say that I didn't.
0: I bet the, I bet the smoke went everywhere. Guess what? Your breath goes everywhere <laughs> just, just
1: like yeah, that. Yeah, they did test with, like, using this. Yeah. And then the guy it that would just come out everywhere. For those it, of you was...
2: listening to the podcast and not watching, he held up his vape unit. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> so Jonathan is a professional podcast.
0: That is true. He's been doing it for many years. Let's talk about 12 that. Twelve years, yeah. So, so you, there's a podcast studio that we would never be able to afford unless we really friggin' blew <laughs> up that and, and got big. It's not that bad. It's but not. Bad. What I'll say is... It's more than I'm willing to pay right
2: now. <laughs> yeah. When I would say 13 years ago, 12 years ago, I was doing... Um, a, I'm, I'm a disc jockey by trade so I'm messing around in my basement I got a bunch of vinyl records I got DJ friends coming over and I have a backup system that is nothing but vinyl and you could plug your laptop into one part of it if you wanted to play mp3s or whatever but for the most part we're playing on vinyl and we're mixing until 3 in the morning because I'm a DJ I don't have to go to bed I don't have to get up in the morning you know my work is at night so we are just making mashups live and laughing and drinking wine and just fucking around. And I call up my web developer and I said, listen, I need to find a way to get this on my website to stream it like mm-hmm. a TV show. So we researched it and at the time, Ustream was um, po- it was popular. That's pre-YouTube, right? This is right around... YouTube existed, but you couldn't stream on YouTube. You had to have the video <laughs> okay. already cut and edited. Uh, so... We figure out the, the, the back then you had to do embed codes, and it was a, a very complex system of coding that I had to learn how to do, and I would do this show called Webcast Wednesdays. Well, the very first show, I send out to everybody on my AOL account, because we still, my web guy had, I, or either I didn't pay him right, or he didn't figure out how to make my email work where I could send emails from my website, I forget exactly how that played out, but from my AOL account, every contact I sent out a notice and said, "Webcast Wednesday is coming to a computer near you," and I had sixty people watching the first episode. This is almost thirteen years ago, and I had DJ Midas, who is a big time yeah, DJ. Yeah, I know and, him. Yeah, John uh, Manning. Exactly. Yeah, he's a big DJ here in in uh, the Manchester area. Back in the mid
0: '90s, late '90s, I was at boom till friggin. Six o'clock in yeah, the morning. And he be the in. headliner. He was yeah. just a killer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was one of the residents there. Yeah, that, that, that so was... It, wow, that was a good time. He
2: was my first real guest, and what an honor to have him on. Phenomenal DJ. played a house set. Well, one of the first people that watched the show is Dave Garofalo. And he sends me an email that Friday. That happened on Wednesday. He sends me an email Friday. Uh, I saw a your show. Very interesting. Can we do this with cigars? And I said, <laughs> Yeah. If I can do it with playing records, I mean, I'm not with licensed music, you got problems. So playing licensed music, I just, I was waiting for them to shut me down or Mm -hmm. find me and Mm -hmm. I'd pay it and then turn that into a media circus. That's who I am. So for, to do it on cigars, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. I'm in, I'm thinking I'm going to get a couple free cigars out of the deal and I'll have to set up some equipment. Well, I sit down and meet with him and he's like, yeah, everybody has their own microphone. And during the break, we can talk to each other through our headsets and no one can hear us. And then he's got this whole elaborate plan of shit that doesn't exist. (laughs) When he said it to me, in order to do it, you would have to go to like Berkeley and and learn how to be a a sound engineer and set up a fucking board. But I had enough equipment at home. I was able to fuck around with it and figure out signal paths. And uh, it's why when you were mentioning you were doing the podcast... I not only, I can do the studio stuff, which is, we've been doing that for years, but I can do the guerrilla shit, because this is how we started. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just a basic mixer. So, I get it all set up, we do a couple of test things, and I ended up with, the first person I end up in my phone in the cigar industry is Nick Perdomo, because he was the first guest. Uh, So, very long story short, we start doing this, and he never quits, and just keeps pushing the envelope, pushing the content. I've taken... That's Dave, Dave, that never quits, yeah. yeah. I went from being a producer to being what they call second chair, so that would be in this podcast, uh, mostly Eric, so yeah. color commentary, bouncing back and forth, and uh, f- probably the most important role in a podcast is that being able to make that lubrication happen so that there's no dead air. Um, we, we make lubrication yeah. <laughs> Well, you also post-edit, which is cheating. <laughs> what do no, you mean no, I post-edit? No. What does that mean? You go in and after the podcast is recorded, you edit. For no. People. You don't. No, have, you don't is, do we it. don't edit this shit. This is it. This is it, man. Oh, you just cut that. This goes yeah, up. Small little loop what, at the beginning. What,
0: what I do? What I do is I'll take this this audio, and I'll put it into. I'll, I'll keep it in Garage, ma'am. I have the song that, that we did, okay. the, the intro, and I put that in the beginning. And then we record something on the iPhone, and I'll stick that in the beginning, and then that's it. I con- All right. I convert it to an MP3, I convert it to an MP4 from from the video. And got listening, now you listening I'm, I'm pointing. You're like, you're yeah, much better than I thought you were. So I'm so sorry. I, didn't no, to I, I wouldn't even know where to begin editing. You didn't offend me. I'm I'm confused. I'm like <laughs> editing. What's
2: that? <laughs> that's too much time. I got two kids. I gotta smoke cigars. So the long, the very long story short, now it's uh, it's a revenue stream of six figures. Uh, every major manufacturer advertises on the show. It's crazy, man. thousand downloads. Studio Twenty One episode. is the name of it. So
0: what do you? So let's let's pump some of these podcasts that you guys got on there. Oh God, you got yours, Cigar Authority. Cigar Authority. Let's talk about
2: that first, Cigar Authority. Cigar so Authority that's you is, and Dave. Yeah, it's a bunch of Dick and Farcillo yeah. cigar knowledge. It's pretty fucking awesome, man. Yeah. it's a great show, and it's something because I take everything that I do seriously, and he does as well, and we are around each other all the time. I just realized early on that I didn't know him well enough because your podcast is really... Uh, people listen to hear the talent on the podcast, not to hear the guest. Mm-hmm. So no one's tuning into your show because I'm, on, I'm kicked off Facebook. Me too off Instagram. Me. Lifetime ban. <laughs> Lifetime Band. Oh,
1: fuck yeah.
0: How are you going to get up there? All oh, well, the only claim to fame of getting kicked off Facebook I have is the uh, Salem well, Salem the, Politics page. You're the, you're
2: know, you the odd man out. you got to follow me. I know I am. I'm the odd man out. on have been to Oh, yeah. I've been to Facebook too. Yeah. Yeah. I never thought I'd be one of the cool kids getting kicked off Facebook. <laughs> and then I'd be the odd man it's, out. It's a badge of honor these
0: days, I no, guess. I got to get my badge.
2: Fuck! I <laughs> start ship posting. Sorry, I interrupted no, it again. No, it's good. So he and I, mostly me to him, can finish each other's sentences and just know the direction of where the show is going. And that level of camaraderie and that level of being in sync is something that you just can't buy. So. It makes it so that we can talk for two hours every week for twelve years about cigars, and we five percent of our audience doesn't even smoke cigars; they listen for the banter, mm-hmm. dick and fart jokes. That's, that's where it's That's at. the best thing about the podcast right. is, is is the banter. Cigar
0: Cigar Authority, right? The banter. Joe Rogan's podcast. Banter. The, the banter. It's it's incredible, and and that's what people that's what people really tune in for. So you all right. So you get the cigar authority. That's probably what the flagship show on on okay. uh, on yeah. at the studio studio twenty one downloads
2: and also most um, most revenue.
0: Now, what I think is cool too is is you got this other show, or not you, but these other people have this show on there called the ash holes. Yeah. That's a, another cigar show, and there's, it's just like the podcast oh. industry that they are in. There's, there's well, no.
1: You have more than one podcast at this place. Oh yeah. Oh, all right. Oh, this is,
0: dude. You should see it. You walk up the stairs, right, and it's a stage, and the stage has this lit up booth, and 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 they sit behind it like they're like they're fucking anchormen, New yeah. news Same company like, that did
2: uh, Fo- um, Fox News' big. And ESPN's big uh, desks. Oh, really? He desks, sits yeah. up there like he's
0: fucking Ron Burgundy. He's "I like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, then they have another studio. Out. They have another studio off to the side that's that's just audio, just right? Audio. It's, it's audio and video. It's just a different. Uh, the main focus in that room is audio. Audio. Okay. And then they have chairs, and they have a coffee shop that they can't find a fucking barista for because everyone's collecting seven hundred bucks a month from the government, okay. and they don't want to work. Job,
1: Eric. No. You want to be a barista <laughs> at a cigar shop? They'll pay you in cigars.
0: <laughs> Actually, you probably really? couldn't even do that, Maybe could you? That's no, you can't. It's illegal. So, you can't give away cigars. Really? So, okay, so you got the, let's let's finish up with the with the podcast, and then right. I want to talk to you
2: about something else with the point system that you guys got at, at the shop. So we have um, Cigar Authority. We have the Ashholes, which was named after a um, cigar game I created called Ashhole, which is based off of cornhole. Which you can already guess is you throwing your ash from your cigar into this board, trying to (laughs) score it into the hole. And I did it as a joke, and I made 50 of them, printed stickers with the instructions. And my thought was, I was going to, this was going to take off, and I was going to sell them. And it ends up spawning a podcast. And, uh, uh, did you sell the 50 though? No, I still have probably (laughs) 48 of them. (laughs) I don't want to talk about it. Anyway, so, uh, the, We've got uh, another podcast on there called African Diaspora Connects, which is a group of Kenyans. That's the African dudes that are always down there. Those
0: guys are pretty freaking funny, man, when they get together. They're awesome. I I can't tell if they're going to start talking in English or or whatever language they talk in. They go from English to Swahili. Yeah, they they do a
2: mix. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, They also do a scotch night, which is pretty cool. They'll come up and um, they'll spend about 30 bucks each on cigars. And then I give them the room upstairs and I'll sit with them and... Talk about the flavor notes on the cigars. That's but, not a podcast, though? That's not a podcast. Oh, no. you should turn
0: that into that a podcast. That would be a good one.
2: It would be a good... That would be a really many, good
0: podcast.
2: It, I'll go a, up there with my laptop and we'll, we'll do it. This, <laughs> I think this entire entirely... It's too much of uh, white people and black people getting along uh, for the yeah, mainstream get, media yeah. to be able to stomach it. And that that'll get shut down. And I would say half of them are anti-Trumpers and they still get along. Mm-hmm. Not only with the other half, but they get along with me. So all the bullshit about racially divided country and all that shit, really the thing is if you can think clearly and think soundly as a person and you believe what you believe, you can also believe that someone else can believe what they believe Mm -hmm. and that that's okay. And this is where we have conversations where we do not agree politically and at the end it's a big hug. It's a handshake. Yeah. It's eye contact.
1: Me
0: and
2: Eric will go up there and tell them, to teach them all how
0: it's all bullshit, and and they're all on the same team, and and will really friggin blow their. These mines. guys all
2: these guys, <laughs> all, these guys all, these guys all believe that we're all on the same team, as far oh, as my. from a humanitarian standpoint. Um, another podcast is uh, the Quirky Dog, which is Heck. about dog training. Come here. Um, Oh really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, I gotta look up that one. Tom Duggan. Yeah. There, he's he not paying attention. He does. It's mostly Methuen yeah. politics. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and Methuen is a town in Massachusetts, just south of, of us in Salem. Right. For and then you,
1: you got a
2: barbecue one. Pit Life Barbecue is there. And how about Tom That, and that what They do
1: like smoke. Like smoke. Recipes they do a lot of something.
2: smoking. Not so much recipes. They mostly talk to other barbecuers and they talk about the competition circuit and. Uh, recipe ideas more than giving because barbecue guys are so secretive yeah yeah but but like
1: tricks and something
2: tricks of the did, trade yeah. is yeah. it
0: open up there to watch that one
2: I'd, love to, I'd love to come up and yeah. see that always. one you'll be disappointed but it's oh really open. okay <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, maybe I won't then well you'll be they're entertaining but you'll be disappointed in that you're going up there looking for the next big trick no and, I know all the tricks all right, well, I'm looking for the next. Oh, you're so humble. And my name's not Chef Mister Jonathan. it's just Mister Jonathan. <laughs>
0: I'm on my I'm on my
2: second eight percent beer,
0: so yeah. I'm so, uh, away.
2: yeah, I just I I I love their energy. I love their dynamic. I just wish that they gave a little bit more up as far as the recipe side of things or mm-hmm. a trick here or there, because that's why people listen to the Cigar Authority. It's not all cigars, but every show you're going to learn a little something. And, or a, t- a tweak on something, and I, I just wish their show had a little more a little more learning on it. Now but that, they have huge huge listenership, so I'm not complaining. Now, She's, does does Tommy Grella do a show still there? He did while season go on. He's now yeah. living in Washington State. Oh really?
0: Oh yeah. no kidding. Hey, he's he's we have a mutual friend, and I remember him from um, Food Network, and he tried out for the the next. Next,
2: bring his next food star. Yeah, yeah, yeah Dave yeah. got him on that show. Dave was the guy behind the camera writing the script. Uh, no kidding. Um, you guys know the guy from Boston? Yes. Early YouTube sensation? Yes, yes, yes. That was Dave as well. He wrote, uh, no he kidding. He wrote the script for that. Yeah. Oh, that's
0: interesting. So, have to out. so, you can go up there and you can watch any of those shows any as they're going shows, on. Yeah. And, and the guys that do the shows are, are cool with it? Oh, yeah. Now, now what happens? Like, what what's the package? So you, you've explained this to me before, but I want to I put it out there in, in the, the, the podcast world because there may be somebody you know, locally listening yeah. that wants to put a podcast together and would, would go and see you and, and see what the package is. So you, you guys have the space, you get up there, you have you have somebody on site that, that hits record, right?
2: There's a million tricks, and yes, the, as far as getting the, getting it recorded, that's kind of boilerplate stuff. Almost anybody can record their podcast. However, obviously the being able to get the levels correct, for example. So if you're listening to a podcast and the guest uh, shifts off the mic like this and then brings their voice back, you just heard my voice drop. Everyone in the room didn't. So on post-production that needs to be cleaned up. Now you can go into that exact piece of audio and you can change that piece of audio, or you can learn some things about audio, uh, bundle software which will scan the entire file uh, and then bring it to the level it needs to be. It's just expensive. Mm-hmm. So there's also tricks as far as YouTube. You know, Why do the most popular videos have faces on the thumbnail? Why uh, are the words a certain font and why are they a certain color? What is the font? What is the color? Uh, what is the difference between the uh, JPEG on the video and the title of the show? Why are they similar but not always the same? And these are, these are tricks to boost anybody's show if the content is halfway decent. We know every single backdoor trick and anything that we don't know, we're constantly learning. Yeah. So it's $2,000 as a buy-in initially for 10 podcasts and then $200 a podcast after that. But it's you walk in, you don't set up your equipment because time's money. Right. You walk in with your, your show, you do your show. You leave. By the time you get to where you're going, the show has been edited, uploaded, tagged, and is ready to go because the producer operates it like a TV show. you The intro gets played and recorded. The uh, outro is played and recorded. The the gut's in the middle. Commercials get played. Sure, there's some fuck-ups in there, here and there, but by and large, people like to live behind the curtain so nobody wants a completely professional sounding podcast. Mm-hmm. They want something, you know, show me your warts type of thing. That's my thing, mm-hmm. man. That's what yep. that's what
0: I love doing with this. So like when I go in and I, I, I put the, the intro song in, I'll have the intro song overlap a little bit with yep. the beginning, so it kind of goes into it, and it's it's just I I, I like the the raw, the raw format, just the the conversation everywhere. Just I want it to be friends hanging out. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and that's what I always envision this this podcast to be. We and I've said this before on the show, we never even met in person until the first day we recorded an episode for this show. No the, shit. the pilot episode was the first time we ever met in person. I, we I, never I, even spoke. We only texted through Facebook Messenger. Then no, he was, was getting in yeah. so much trouble on Facebook that I'm like, dude, give me your cell phone number because I think you're gonna get thrown off Facebook and that means you're not gonna have Messenger. So you don't have Messenger
2: anymore, huh? I got nothing. Nothing. So congratulations well, need... and that, I got uh And
1: that's Facebook.
2: That's yeah, I was. Snapchat kidding. and just so you know, Eric, I was kicked off that one, too. <laughs> <laughs> Instagram, lifetime ban. Well, you can't put nudes up on Instagram. What you guys need no, to do no is start the Tinder for podcasters so that uh, and you guys can tell your story right at the beginning where you met uh, through social media, and this could be a way that podcasters could get together and do podcasts on like-minded topics, you know?
1: That is a good idea.
2: We, Instead of swiping like, left or right, like that out there? you touch the microphone. If you would like to podcast with someone based on their bio, and then uh, I I don't know what the other thing would be. You're you're giving away a million-dollar idea here now that... that, I don't want to do it, but I'd be happy to see it.
0: (laughs) Well, now that it's recorded on April 16th at 7.56, you've got... I guess I do have a timestamp, right? (laughs) You've got full rights to it, absolutely, at one oh four in this podcast. (laughs) Fuck. Awesome, man. Um, Wouldn't that be sick?
1: But it would be a good idea because... then. No matter what, if you had cigars, then it's like, okay, these are all the people that want to do cigars. Right. And you just have endless amounts of people that could come on.
0: And there's a
2: lot of cigar podcasts out there, too. Yeah, there's about 30 of them. Yeah. Yeah, most of them are. We, we own two, the two top ones. The okay. Cigar Authority and the Ashles are the top two. Uh, you got Cigar Coop out there, which he, he does a good show if you're into just information. You don't want to be entertained in any way whatsoever. You just want the Bible of cigars. Uh, he'll take you to a legitimate cigar Catholic Church meeting, and you three and a half hours. It's his stuff is accurate. It's just slow, monotonous.
1: You have to really enjoy cigars to like his podcast. You're not going to be like, okay, you, this is the first podcast. You I'm have awesome. to
2: really enjoy Catholic church. <laughs> so you, you have, have to kneel and stand. You have to like it stand. so much have that a, you would do have an three organ? and a half of them in a row. <laughs> like just church hop like people bar hop and just catch sermon after sermon after sermon. That's what it is. sermons. Cigar <laughs> they're,
1: sermons. They're sermons. Yeah. That's good.
0: I wanted to ask you before we wrap this up about the the point program that you have yeah and, and i remember when the point program changed what happened there is this
1: not the, the two guys two
0: guys so they okay. have a point program
2: every dollar you spend is a point is a point and then you cash your points in just like tickets at chuck e cheese mm-hmm. and we used to be able to give away free boxes of cigars on your points and i loved it and how many was, points was that depends it on the cigars yeah. yeah yeah for a hundred like roughly uh, after you spent, say two hundred dollars, you got a free bundle of uh, Doss Ombre.
1: So it'd be like fifty bucks or something, right? Yeah, that's not bad. Fifty that's a really good
0: deal. Two hundred, yeah, twenty five percent kickback. And now the only free stuff you can get is beef jerky, which is the best beef jerky <laughs> I've ever had. It is
2: a good beef jerky, but the uh, you can get lightest cutters free. Um, but all the cigar stuff, we had to cut the point values in half and do them for half price. I'm sorry, it was four hundred points. That's what it was. It was four hundred points. You can get a bundle for free. And now it's at 200 points, to get 50% off a bundle. And this is because the FDA stepped in and said that there must be a qualifying purchase for products to be given away for free. And in talking to three different lawyers, there was not enough guidance to know whether or not we were setting ourselves up for failure uh, with respect to the FDA, who is not a, an elected body, so they can act... Although they don't, but they can act swiftly, swiftly and ruthlessly when they are issuing a punishment, and it is the it is final. There is no we're gonna take this up to the board and and take a look at it. No, if they tell you you owe a hundred thousand dollars, you owe a hundred thousand. Oh yeah, it's, it's like, like an, the IRS.
0: Correct. You, yeah. you. This is an NGO, just like OSHA, just like just like the CDC. But you, know.
1: like you have to. So you were saying that the points you had to give it, you had to buy something, right? Overtime. So what if you just said, okay, well, you're going to get this bundle with 200 points plus a penny. So you're paying a penny for the bundle. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah.
2: Then you end up in the the. It becomes a does the value proposition of that transaction make sense for the business? So or is the business operating a lost leader? And you can't do lost leaders with tobacco. Either way... I can do lose. this all day. No can, matter what, I you lose. I can do this all day. I've tried... and it, listen, Fucking government. I dude, love that you made the attempt yeah. to do something that three lawyers cost the company $10,000 just in in retainer fees. They couldn't figure it out. I couldn't figure it out. The owner of two guys couldn't figure it out. And he moved his company from Massachusetts to New Hampshire. None of us. We, we did yeah. everything we could. We threw as much mud against the wall as we could.
0: And it's not New Hampshire. It's the, fed swooping it's it the feds swooping. in. It's
2: the feds. And I, listen, I said... Fuck it. Let's do it and see what they say. And Dave was like, yeah, how many times am I going to pay whatever the fee is? Because it could be 10000 a 100000 It could be a million. Like, where's the... Okay. There's no definitive answer. There's it no just... answer. They decide what they're going to do and yeah. they don't They don't have to answer to anybody. It's not the Congress where they have to vote. Mm-hmm. And you've got a shot of being able to go in and meet with someone and say, all right, this is what makes sense and get them to vote on your side. This is a governing body that does not report to voters. They were assigned their position based on blowjobs that they either gave or received.
1: Mm -hmm. So now you said in New
2: Hampshire there's no tax on cigars? There's no sales tax on premium cigars. Now, and the only state in the country that's like that, right? It's the only state that separates premium cigars from other tobacco products.
1: Now, do you think New Hampshire would ever join every other state?
2: Or are they pretty... Stern on keeping it that way. New Hampshire does, for the most part, operate on their state motto, live free or die. They don't do everything that I would like, but... Uh, Man, stop. beating, they, them.
1: Okay. beating them up.
2: <laughs> for the most part, the, <laughs> the state is proud of the fact that we are first in the nation to vote. We are first in the nation when it came to separating cigars out. Uh, that you can, there's a lot of representatives, but you can just go to Concord and meet with people if you want as mm-hmm. a regular person. New Hampshire is proud of that small mm-hmm. state mentality. That doesn't mean that they always make the right decision, but I think that we're okay, at least in the short term. Sanudu so yeah. was pretty pro-cigar. Uh, okay. I have not always liked everything that he has said or done as governor, but Compared to the direction that it could have gone, yeah, Felt does a flat out, flat out communist. It's it could have gone worse. I mean, it could have been better, but it definitely could have been worse.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah,
0: awesome. I think uh, I, I don't want to keep you any longer
2: because I know you got to get to your Australian podcast. Yeah, so how's honest. that Wait, Real, real quick, wait, you're, on you're on going to American. you're
1: going to be. On an Australian's
2: podcast? Yeah, I got to do a Zoom call, and there's a podcast in Australia, and I don't even know the name of it. I'd plug it, but I have no idea what it is. It's just listeners of the Cigar Authority that do one, and they said, can you be on? And I typically don't say no. Really? I appreciate you coming here. Since I took my nap today, I'm... (laughs)
0: Dude, you are a wealth of knowledge. I've never seen anybody that can shoot the shit with an old lady a young guy in in his like late 20s uh an old crabby fart in the back room of the cigar shop bitching about who knows what and and you're just you're an incredible man and i'm I'm just i'm happy to know that 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 you're my friend man and this is yeah it's i've just enjoyed getting to know you over the years and since this this last year i've gotten to know you a little better and we've done some some food stuff together and yeah, I, I, I'm happy to call you a friend, man. Thank you for coming it. on and, and sharing you. your, your knowledge and and yeah, man, this is great. I appreciate it. Are you working st- tomorrow? I am working. He tomorrow. Is. I am
1: gonna, gonna think I'm gonna stop in. I, I might be there at should. some point. Let's, right, let's
0: let's plan something. Let's go. Yeah, my wife's going out to watch. Um, fucking, a, I'm embarrassed to even fucking say this, <laughs> but uh, Prince Philip, who uh, recently passed away. Nice. Um, before he comes back as a virus to wipe out half the planet because of overpopulation, because that was his wish in 1988, she's going to go and uh, get together with a couple of her friends for some brunch and watch the funeral.
1: So have, uh, I'm going to be stuck with the kids, yet. but as soon
0: as I can get rid of the kids, man, I'm, I'm, I'm grabbing my Padron 1926 number one, <laughs> and I'm coming to hang out at That's two the guys. one I'll try. Uh, do you All guys right.
2: ever uh, do recorded drops or anything? You need me to say this is the Resistance Chronicle? With Eric and Matt. What does that mean? Like later on down the road when you maybe go to commercial break or whatever. When you come back, you hear it on the radio. They'll, they'll play the drops. You know, this oh. is so-and-so. Oh, that would be so cool. Cool. Uh-huh. To... That would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we need that. Yeah. All right, I'll do it right now. <laughs> You're listening to... <laughs> it's all right, we can keep rolling. You're listening to the Resistance Chronicle with Eric and Matt. I was going to say something funny, but I didn't have anything to say. That's all right. If you like listening to two dudes with their heads so far up their ass, they don't have to take the butcher's word for it. You want the Resistance Chronicle. I am
1: the butcher. Jonathan, thank you for coming (laughs) on, on, man. This was awesome.
2: Anytime.